if you want to have a good marriage, you have to be a part of God's church. You have to participate in it. Because if you're not doing that, if you're not doing marriage the way the one who created it intended it, you're not going to have what he intended for you. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. How would you define someone who is all in? What does it mean to use that phrase? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do people act? I asked that question a few weeks ago on Facebook, and several of you were kind enough to respond. I'm going to read a few of these responses. One person wrote, Not indifferent to men, but with such a singular focus on Jesus that the crashing waves, thunder, and lightning of popular opinion and peer pressure do not impede your walk with him. It's kind of poetic. Another person wrote, being obedient in everything the Lord says, answering yes before he even asked the question, willing to risk reputation and lifestyle for the applause of heaven. Someone else wrote, no excuses, completely yielding and allowing his will to be done in our lives. To be awestruck by the marvelous grace of God in such a way as to surrender one's life to the guiding truth of God's word, looking for every opportunity to exalt the King of Kings and being struck down at the undeserving mercy of one that so loved mankind. Because when grace grips the heart, a person can't help but to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I feel like I should have let these people preach the sermon. That's pretty good. To be all in for Christ. Someone who is willing to do whatever it takes. Someone who trusts in Jesus enough that they know that what he has for them is better than what the world has for them. In fact, it's even better than what they have for themselves. And I would encourage us as a church to consider what it would look like to be people and to raise up people who are all in for Christ. Really, we can talk about doing a lot of things. We can talk about missions and evangelism and children and students and outreach and all of those things that are great. But really, our focus is pretty singular here. We want to be people who are all in for Christ, and we want to raise up a generation that's all in for Christ. And this passage of Scripture, I believe, really deals with this topic. Now, traditionally, when somebody says turn to Ephesians 5, spouses in the church get nervous because they think that it's talking about marriage. And here we go again. I had this before I got married. You got nightmares from premarital counseling coming back to you. I want us to instead look at this, not simply through the lens of the church in relating to marriage, but look instead at what marriage can mean. Look at the church through the lens of marriage. And so some of you who have been married a long time, what would you do differently in an ideal circumstance? You say, I consider differently who I married. I'm not talking about that. Some of you who are, who are single yet to be married, what does that look like? Some of you who, who may be recently, recently divorced, what, what would you do differently? What, what do you hope for in, in the future if, if that door opens up? There are ups and downs and seasons in marriage. We know that there's there's good and bad seasons. There's times of health and times of plenty. That's why we say in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. But one of the things that we know is within marriage, it is not simply an institution, 
but you are married to a person. And it's the same with the church. It's not simply that you're coming to a building, but instead you are a part of Christ's body. You're not coming to a location, but rather to a living, breathing organism. And whatever effort that you think you need to put into having a good marriage, whatever you think that takes, you need that much effort into being a part of the body of Christ. And I believe Ephesians 5 gives us three keys to how we can do that. It starts with service to one another, then it moves to submission to one another, and finally it moves to sacrifice for one another. Let's look at this together, Ephesians chapter 5 and beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish." In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. It is not a coincidence that the decline of the church and the decline of marriage are happening at the same time. Washington Post recently ran an article this past week that talked about the relationship between church and marriage and sex. And it argued this. Instead of thinking that science is what is secularizing the church, taking people away from a view of God, it said rather how you view sex actually is what is secularizing the church. That is, no longer is there a definition of biblical marriage in a way that there once was in the culture. People are delaying marriage, people are denying marriage, people are not honoring marriage in the way that Christ would have us do it, and it directly, repeatedly impacts the church in the same way. So how you view marriage and how you view sexuality will directly impact how you view the church. And the same ingredients that make for a healthy marriage, whatever you think those are, also make for a healthy church. You know, some of you who have been married a long time, you know something to be true, don't you? What you put into marriage is what you get out of marriage. And what you don't want is one spouse who gives 100% and one spouse who doesn't give a percentage at all. You want everybody giving 100%. And even more so, it's the same for the church. What you put into church and what you put into worship is what you will ultimately get out of worship. And the key to having a healthy marriage is both people being all in. It's the same for the church. The key to having a healthy church is for everyone being in as a part of the body of Christ. And that's why Jesus will later say in Revelation, either be all in or all out, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm because if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. And I just wonder what would happen in the church of God if every person in here said, I'm 100% in for Christ. 
we said, I'm all in. Like the person said earlier, before he even asked the question, yes is the answer. And to stop dropping my excuses of my schedule or my calendar or being mad at somebody in the church and just say, I am in this for Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes if people might be one to Christ. To be and to raise up people who are all in for Jesus. And he outlines this in three specific ways. He begins with service. We remember the words of Christ who came not to serve, but to be served, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we know that whether you're active or inactive, belonging to God's church means something. It's a family. You know, when you're married, you have to sign a, a contract at the courthouse, but you also know that marriage is much more than a contract, isn't it? It's really a covenant, not simply in the earthly sense, but in the heavenly realm that you make in the sight of God. That's why the words in a Christian wedding, usually the last words among it are, what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Well, membership in the body of Christ has a similar connotation. It's not so much a contract. It's not so much walking down an aisle. That's maybe how you joined. But it's really the sense of a covenant before the Lord. The covenant is a promise. The covenant is a commitment. Just like God uses in the Old Testament, just like in the New Testament, he has given us the promise and the proclamation by faith. Now, here's part of the problem. We live in a culture where it is easier to get a driver's license than it is a marriage license. Something tells me that a marriage license is a little bit more important. And I think there's a similar problem when we look at church membership as a whole. 16 million people, we are told, are part of our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention. We don't know where half of them are. We'd have to use the FBI to try to find them. And I think part of our deal is we're not giving people a fair expectation of what it means to join the body of Christ. And so what I always ask, whenever somebody desires to join our church, I ask to meet with them. I want to hear their testimony, but I also think they deserve to hear what's expected of them in the body of Christ, to be a part of it and attending worship, to invite others to come, to serve and, and to give. And I always joke when somebody joins the church, you know, I usually say our problems are, are now your problems. I, I'm not joking with that. So, you, you know, you join our, our church today. Congratulations. You're 128 grand in debt. You've got me, Mark and Dave for your pastors. It's great. You better pray. We have to have expectations because Christ has expectations for his church. And he goes after the lost sheep. That's part of the service that we serve one another and we don't let people slip through the cracks. Man, that's easy to do sometimes. You think about people during Hurricane Harvey this past week, people who will be reacting to, to Irma as we pray for those who are experiencing that today and this week. You know, if they're missing a spouse or a family member as a result of that storm, you think anything is going to stop them from going out and looking for those people until they find them? That's how the Bible describes Jesus, as leaving the 99 and going after the one lost sheep. It's the way it's to be in the body of Christ. Perhaps you heard of the two men who were stranded on an island as a result of the shipwreck. There wasn't much food or water on the island. They knew that they wouldn't be able to survive very long. They were out in the middle of nowhere. And one man began to panic. He was very upset about this. And he noticed that his friend just continued to remain calm through it all. And the man finally said to him, why are you not more upset about this? There's no major shipping lanes coming this way. We've got no food. We've got no water. We're going to die out here. And his friend sipped on his half-open coconut and began to look at him and said, relax. He said, I'm a tither. I give 10% to my church, and believe me, my pastor will find me. I wish. True. 
I wish that we would have that attitude towards everyone in the body of Christ to say, we're a family and we have each other's backs in serving one another. And so sometimes, you know, when you think of the marital language that the scripture uses, it describes the church as the bride of Christ. That's awkward for guys to look at. Most of us don't grow up wanting to be brides. We want to marry a bride, but we don't want to be a bride. But think about it from the framework of scripture. It's talking about when you see the radiance of the bride, when everyone stands and looks back at her and you see the smile on, on her face and the radiance that comes out of that without spot or without wrinkle, that is what God is preparing the church to be. This community of faith is preparing you to be a part of the heaven kingdom. And in order to be a part of God's kingdom in heaven, you have to participate in his kingdom on earth because he's changing us together. And so sometimes people will say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you don't have to go home to your spouse to be married either, but it's typically a good idea. When you are a part of the body of Christ, it, it means something to us. And can I just say something to you? If you want to have a good marriage, you have to be a part of God's church. You have to participate in it because if you're not doing that, if you're not doing marriage the way the one who created it intended it, you're not going to have what he intended for you. Christ as the bride, we as the bride of Christ, Christ as the bridegroom because he loved the church and gave himself for her. And just as marriages go through seasons, we also know that churches go through seasons. We have up times and down times, good times, bad times. But a good marriage, you know this, always seeks the good of the other before seeking the good of self. And that's the way it ought to be in the church. Our preferences and desires ought to be laid down for the sake of others, for the sake of the body of Christ. And just as a caring spouse will care, will sacrifice for the good of the other, so God has called us to do that because we ought to love one another. And when we begin to see the body of Christ, not simply as an event or a location, but as the community of God and the means through which I live out my faith, we realize that these walls aren't what make us Christians, but the assembly of God's people gathering together shows our faith to the outside world. I don't know what your experience has been, but I have had people all my life invest in me through the church, through churches. I don't know where I'd be without of it. And, and I know many of you may have had a different experience. Maybe you didn't grow up in church and you've got different ideas. And that's a good thing. That helps us. We don't want to get stuck in our traditions. It's great to have a, an outside perspective. Or, or maybe you're from another standpoint and you did grow up in church, but you've been hurt by the church. Or you've been hurt by the church even recently. Can I just say something to you and hear this? Use the hurts and disappointments in your life to run to God, not from God. Don't let people in the church dictate your relationship to the Lord. Come for Christ. Take those to him, not from him. He calls us to. And just like in marriage, sometimes we fail to acknowledge or appreciate one another. We do that in the body of Christ all the time. And so he says, encourage one another, build one another up as the body of Christ. He calls for service and then he calls for submission here. Now, before we get into the debate over wives submitting to the husbands and simply what that means, that's not subjugation, that's not totalitarian leadership, that simply mean, means, men, you're responsible for getting your family in church, you're responsible for praying with them, for reading God's word, for being a man of God. Don't put that on your spouse, that's on you. But before he even says that, he says, as the church submits to Christ, be subject to one another. 
That is, you and I are to be submissive to one another because God will hold us accountable. And you have to be willing to hear truth from your brothers and sisters in Christ, even if you don't like hearing it. You know what often happens when someone leaves the church? We're not able to have a conversation with them. We reach out and we try to set up an appointment or try to say, hey, can we, can we at least pray for you? And most of the time that, that doesn't get to happen. And I wish that it would. Because if you were to do the same thing with a family member, you would ultimately regret that at the end of your life. He says, we have to be willing to hear truth from one another. Even if we don't agree with what another person says, if they're a part of the body of Christ, they have a right to speak into our lives. And guess what? We have a right to speak into their lives. And we need one another to be a part of that. And the reason that we do that is because we know that God will hold us accountable. And I know as pastor, God will hold me more accountable. And I think to myself, you know, Lord, I got to answer for every, every person in this room. Help me out here. No one today likes the idea of authority. But God has called us to submit just as Jesus did. He had all the authority in the world. And yet he submitted to the will of his father. That's what he calls us to do in the church of God. To love the wife as Christ loved the church, that is how people will see the true nature of the church. He calls for service, he calls for submission, and then he calls for sacrifice. We notice that what Christ does not do, he doesn't crush the church, but he sacrificially gives his life for her. And that's the way we have to see marriage from the doctrine of the atonement, that Christ laid down his life for us, therefore we lay down our life for the good of the other. And especially true in the life of the body of Christ, just as Jesus laid down his life for us, we lay down our lives for one another. We need people who are all in for Christ. You ask, what is the number one thing that this church needs? And we can name a bunch of different things, but I'll tell you far and above all everything else is we need every person in this room fully committed to Christ. It'd turn the world upside down. It really would. And listen, if you are not fully committed to Christ, this body is incomplete without you. We need you in this, not holding back. David says, I won't offer anything that costs me nothing. You know, many people, not everybody, but many people who, who are seeking a divorce today do so for unbiblical reasons. There's no such thing as irreconcilable differences in the kingdom of God. I would say most people who leave the church do the same. We just say, if you're not happy, try somewhere or someone else. But when you make a vow in the kingdom of God, that, that means something. This is what... God says in Hosea 2, 19 through 20, talking about the relationship of Israel as a marriage, even when Israel would commit spiritual adultery against the Lord, God held on to them in spite of that. He says, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. You know, there's no area of grace in your life where grace is more needed than in the realm of marriage, isn't there? You gotta forgive one another. You gotta love one another. You gotta put up with what drives you insane. And it's true even more so in the body of Christ. You have to put up with one another. You have to love one another. And there'll be people in the church that you would never associate outside of the church, but the reason that you're doing that is because Christ gave his life for you and you're related by the blood of Jesus. To do this as the kingdom of God. 
And here's the ultimate truth. He keeps anchoring this in what Jesus did for us when we remember what Jesus did. And here's what he says. When you love Jesus, you'll love his church. This is how we know that we love God and we love one another. And ultimately, when you know and when you know the love of Jesus, you'll trust him. And when you trust him, you'll obey him. This is ultimately what everything comes down in your life to, is do you trust God? Because if you really trust God, then he gets everything, doesn't he? He gets it all. If I really believe that what God wants for me is best for me, if I really believe that he has my best intentions at heart, why in the world would I say no to what he asks? To be all in for Christ is what Jesus asked of us. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.